different theme songs. We've had a lot of technical difficulties over the last two weeks, but everything is resolved and we're back to normal. You may have noticed that that's not our usual theme song, and uh, you'd be correct to say that because this is our special prodigy podcast. And we tried to do this a couple of weeks ago, and we had technical difficulties, couldn't make it happen. But um, Aaron was kind enough to be able to reschedule for tonight. So tonight will be our special prodigy show. Uh, it's currently Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, January 4th, 2024, and this is episode 569. Um, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and before we get started, I want to introduce you to my Trek experts who will be joining me tonight, and then we're going to jump right into the action. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433, so if you're a Prodigy fan, then you want to let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking because uh, we've got some surprises for you. Uh, my good friend Edwin put us in touch with Bonnie Gordon, uh, who does the sound, not the sound, the voice of the computer on the Protostar. And she'll be calling in a little bit later. And, of course, Aaron will be with us as well. Uh, but before we go in, I want to introduce to you guys Andy Bray. He's calling us from Tennessee. He's going to be one of our special Trek experts. He's a guest Trek expert tonight. Hey, how you doing tonight, Andy? I'm doing great. I like that guest Trek expert. That's a mouthful. That is a guest Trek expert. That's you tonight. <laughs> you're not. You're just, you're, just, you're just one of the boys tonight. <laughs> yeah, just part of the gang today. <laughs> Nothing to part promote. I, I don't have to worry about impressing you guys. Nope, you're just one of us tonight. Who knows? Maybe you'll get an idea for a for a future Trek uh, skit. You know? Who knows? That's Prodigy ones. We our usual peanut gallery. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. We got a nice dose of uh, winter come through starting yesterday, and for those. I 
getting a nice winter storm in the next few days, you're welcome. Yeah, that's going to be up here in Vermont, but that's okay. And uh, we'll swing over to Portland where I have my triple play, my hat trick, my trifecta. And we'll start off with David the Donut Guy. How you doing tonight, David? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Uh, weather here has been really crazy. Rain, rain, rain. Very wet. Lots of rain. And, uh, David, I just want to say thank you for helping me set up that Star Trek game, by the way. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. And also from Portland, we have the toy guy, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? Brother, I am doing great. It is awesome to be back after an unexpected uh, batch of technical snafus there that we're pretty sure was due to the diviner implanting some kind of, you know, corrupting device <laughs> In our in our tech, but we managed to purge it through you know uh, you know a group effort. So I feel really good about that, and I, I do have a, a burning Voyager toy, or, uh, a burning uh, protostar, I guess you should say, uh, prodigy toy question. But I'm gonna save it for later on. So just planting that seed in there. Don't let me forget that, Uncle Jim. But, uh, no. but, yeah, it's great to be back, and especially to have the guests we have on tonight. Just thrilled, uh, That's thrilled good. to be here. You know, it seems like it's been so long since I've talked to you guys, since we talk every single Thursday. And for the past three Thursdays, we haven't been able to. So I'm really kind of psyched about that. And last, but definitely not least, we have Eric, who's also out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good, Jim, although I kind of feel like I've been stuck in the transporter buffer for a few weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, luckily, though, uh, much in the same way as the Diviner invaded our uh, our negative side, I, I think we hired Zero for a little bit here to actually fix that issue with the transporter buffer, which popped me out. And uh, So I think I'm ready to go. I think I'm ready to go tonight. Let's do it. I think hologram Janeway might have helped us out too. You know, <laughs> you know what? I, I hate to. There are a lot she of good people the on coffee. that. I was going to yeah. say there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of skills on that ship. But if I could pick one person, I'd probably pick hologram Janeway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, she is so tenacious. Before, tenacious. <laughs> she definitely is. Uh, so before we get going, there's a couple of announcements I need to make because we're so far behind because of the technical problems. Uh, we do have a copy of Patrick Stewart's memoir, Making It So, and I want to give that to you right now. Yes, you, uh, but you got to work for it. You need to go to trektalking.com, click on the blue talkback microphone in the bottom right-hand corner, and leave us a message and tell us why you deserve to win a free copy of that book. And make it creative and make it fun, and hopefully you'll win. It's quick, easy, and simple, so please um, check that out, okay? Um, also, we had to reschedule some of the shows. And I apologize for that. So uh, our Robin Curtis and Vaj Potenza Star Trek Three Search for Spock reunion show that was canceled has been rescheduled uh, for 1.23 at 7.30 p.m. Um, that's a Tuesday night. And Monday, 1.29, we're going to be having our book nook, and we're going to be talking about Patrick Stewart's book that we're giving away. Okay, and uh, then our next regularly scheduled Thursday show uh, will be we're going to be talking about Major Barrett and what she's given to Star Trek and all the roles that she's brought to life with Star Trek. So that's everything I need to catch you guys up on. Um, as of right now, we have uh, 202,505 likes. 
of followers on our Facebook page, which is incredible when you think about it. Um, so thank you so much to all of you guys. And 133,556 downloads of this podcast. All right, guys. Well, that's all my news. We're all caught up to date. And uh, without any further ado, the man that you've all been waiting for, the one you're all dying to talk to, he is here, the one, the only, Aaron Walkie uh, from Star Trek Prodigy. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron, and thank you for being patient and working through all these issues with us. I really appreciate it. Ahoy, ahoy. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate it. And yes, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to purge the Diviner's uh, dark influence from your computer <laughs> systems so we were able to reschedule this. Yes, I, I, and I appreciate you being so patient with us, so that's great. And once again, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. So you want to get on speed dial and give us a call. And Bonnie Gordon will be joining us a little bit later. So thank you to my good friend Edwin for making that happen. So, Aaron, let's talk about uh, your your big move from Paramount Plus to Netflix. Can you can you talk about how that how that happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret that uh, the 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 streaming age is in a very unusual time right now. Um, so. You know, for, for better or for worse, uh, our show left Paramount Plus, but then uh, was given the possibility to find a new home uh, with another streamer. And uh, from the get-go, uh, our sincere hope was that it could land at Netflix because, uh, you know, the Hageman brothers and myself and a few of the other writers of Star Trek Prodigy have done some uh, truly uh, wonderful work over at Netflix uh, with the Tales of Arcadia uh, series, uh, among others, and they have a, a huge audience, a global audience uh, that is specifically hungry for young adult animation like ours. So um, when we got the call that Netflix not only was interested but was going to be the home, it was it was exactly what we were hoping for. And uh, sure enough, you know, uh, just looking at the numbers, it's breaking into top ten lists around the world for kids TV over there on Netflix and. It just keeps going. I, I think I read that it just popped on to the top ten for India, uh, in addition to the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Germany, France, if you can believe it. I've, I've been told that uh, France loves our show. <laughs> so it's, it's really, uh, we're just a little starship that could. And it's, uh, it's been really heartening to see all these new audiences discovering our show, many for the very first time. And uh, if you haven't yet, I encourage all of you to come uh, right over to your Netflix app, open it up, search for Star Trek Prodigy, and all 20 episodes of season one are right there for your uh, your binge. So uh, check it out. <laughs> well, you don't have to search too hard because when you when you go to Netflix, it pops right up in the top ten. It's like the second or third show that pops up on the on the Netflix intro screen because it's in the top ten. Yeah, so it's real easy to find. <laughs> it's right there for you. <laughs> Yeah, we so made it easy good. for you. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, everything's all, also kind of very uh, – we are slaves to the algorithms in life these days, right? And I think a, a ton of people yeah. 
popped onto Netflix to check out like Rebel Moon, right? Whether you love it or hate it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people really check that out over the last few weeks. But if you do, it's going to be like, oh, you like science fiction. And all of a sudden you're going to discover that, you know, prodigies popping up. If you like that, you'll probably like this. I mean, I think that's been responsible for a lot of people having it come on their radar. And, you know, let's face it. If you watch one episode of Prodigy, you're going to want to watch all of them. Because it's just it just encha- it's enchants people. It's just a delightful series. Really hard to go. Oh, that was no good. I think people they wa- they watch it and they love it. At least that's been the experience amongst those of us on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, I've I've encountered so many people uh, online that have that have t- been tweeting or texting or messaging, just saying. I, I didn't even know this show existed, and then it popped up on my Netflix feed. I checked it out, and I was immediately sucked in, and it was almost angry, like, why hadn't I seen this before? <laughs> so you're absolutely right that the algorithm seems to be doing its job, thankfully, and yeah. uh, people are discovering our, our series. And uh, for those who maybe have not seen the show, I do encourage you to, uh, to, to watch, you know, m- multiple episodes uh, because – uh, unlike every other Star Trek show, this one starts way outside the Federation of anything you know re- regarding Starfleet with characters who barely know anything about the Alpha Quadrant. Um, and it's about the journey of those strange new worlds and civilizations setting their course for Starfleet. And gradually, as the series goes on, it becomes the trekkiest trek that ever trekked. <laughs> so most people, uh, it's almost like a magic trick. They at first are like, Oh, this feels like Star Wars. I, you know, where's where's the the captain on the bridge and all this and that. And then what, you know, episode by episode, character arc by character arc, we answer those questions and open new ones that draw people in, excite them. And uh, I won't spoil it, uh, but there are some very uh, heavy connections to existing Star Trek canon that uh, even the the swarthiest Star Trek fan will want to know about and uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, sure. I was just, I was just looking at trekmovie.com. They just reported today that in the UK it moved from nine to number six. In Germany, yes. it went from five to number one. And the top yes, ten list: we're big in Australia, Germany. <laughs> Italy, and France. Yeah, we're like we're like David Hasselhoff. They Germans love Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> Six, it looks at me like six in the U.S. So, hey, that's great news for Netflix. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's just going to keep you going. Know? It's just going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, what's, what's great is uh, we have season two uh, also coming later this year. So keep out a uh, lookout for that news. And, uh, you know, if it does well on Netflix, you know, they have the license to order more episodes. So, you know, the, the future uh, is open, wide open, and uh, the sky is the limit, to quote uh, the c- series finale of another great Star Trek show. Aaron, if they so, do Aaron, I... uh, green light a third season, uh, what's, do you have a sense <laughs> of how long that takes to produce? Is it at least a year or two? Yeah, I mean – well, here's the thing is like most star, uh, most television shows now take a little while to produce, <laughs> you know, like Strange New Worlds takes uh, a, a while just because there's so many special effects shots and, and animation is no different, um, especially since we our episode orders are 
have so far been 20 episode seasons, so we have to produce twice the amount of content. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, you know, it does, it does take the better part of, uh, you know, I think you would, it would be about a year and a half-ish to, to start getting the final episodes in. But, uh, you know, that goes by quickly. I'm not going to lie, right? <laughs> you know, especially, if, you know, because we they tend to drop them you know, in batches or what have you. So it's, it's peppered throughout the year. So, you, you know, just as you start to miss it, it's right back on your TV screen. Ah, excellent. You know, yeah. I just wanted to make a quick comment for folks who have not watched the show yet, right? I mean, a lot of times people, you know, because uh, you just mentioned uh, uh, Strange New Worlds, right? A lot of people were like, oh, is it going to be more standalone episodes versus like the, you know, mm-hmm. the ongoing serial arc that you have with like, a little bit more on discovery, right? And I feel like Prodigy does an amazing job of like kind of straddling those two universes, right? I mean, the episodes feel really strong individually to me um, and you do get some that feel really contained, but then there's always a little connective tissue and there's a, a, a really beautifully woven story that goes through the entire season with such a satisfying ending. And I just think that that's, if you've not watched the show before and you kind of have one preference versus another, you kind of get your cake and eat it too in a really rare way with Prodigy. And it, and I don't think enough is, is said about the way the show looks. It is stunning looking, just visually. It is just absolutely a, a knockout. So if you, if you haven't uh, watched it yet, you're in for, I think, one of the best... Uh, arms of the franchise that we've seen in decades. It's just tremendous stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> and you're, you're absolutely right, Aaron. It does, it, it does start. I remember when we reviewed the first episode and we were like, well, it does, it feels star Warsy. It doesn't, it doesn't have that star Trek feel, but you have to stick with it because it grows, it grows very slowly. And then it's there and it's, it's full blown star Trek all the way. Yeah, and what a lot of people, you know, don't realize is in the little glimpses of what life in the uh, Milky Way galaxy looks like outside of the Federation that we've seen, they it, it is a little bit Star Wars. You know, like you have the Kazon slavers and you have, you know, the sort of the, the space Nazis and Voyager and, and like yeah. it's not great out there. <laughs> And uh, in a way, we wanted to sort of explore that idea of, like, what if you took someone who came from less than ideal circumstances and transplanted them into this utopian society? You know, like unmolded clay, could they be shaped into something resembling a model Starfleet officer, you know, trial by trial, lesson by lesson? And uh, and our our answer is an unequivocal yes, but it takes time. And thankfully... uh, the Star Trek fandom has been very generous and has seen what we are doing and really appreciated it. And now it's, it seems to be finally taking its place in that pantheon, which I'm over the moon about. Now, you got, I would love to sit in in a writer's room with you guys because it's pretty obvious to us that you guys love Star Trek. You're all Star Trek fans, obviously, because a lot of the stuff that you put in the shows, the aliens that you use, the places that you go, some of the, some of the things that you say, you, you clearly have really good grasp of Star Trek because that stuff doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And it also doesn't well, happen overnight because there's just too much television that you have to watch to become a Star Trek <laughs> expert. <laughs> well, 
I would say I would say one of their prime examples, not to give any real teaser out, is the Kobayashi Maru. That just showed how much of a tr- Star Trek fan this group is to do that episode. Oh uh, yes. Well, that was yeah. I, I wrote that episode, so thank you. <laughs> um, and that was that definitely was a a labor of love, and it was. Uh, I mean, I think you can kind of gather from the title uh, that the premise of it is about uh, some, some, shall we say, newcomers taking the Kobayashi Maru test, uh, or, or an updated one on the holodeck. And, uh, you know, one of our characters, Dal, our would-be captain, winds up saying to the, uh, to the, the computer program, just give me some of the best uh, you got. And it winds up summoning this all-star cast of, of uh all of the incredible uh, bridge crew that we've seen across all of the existing Star Trek series. And I will say it was really fun writing that episode with the, uh, with the writer's room because we, we stayed like a couple hours late just debating, okay, but really what's the best bridge crew if we got to like, you know, pick and choose like Moneyball. <laughs> and uh, by the end of it, our, yeah. we, had, we were like, oh, we have too many uh, engineers, no. And then by the end of it, we had written every single main bridge crew character on the board, and there was no room to write the episode anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, all right, we're just going to have to make some choices and go from there. And it, well, Aaron, when we did uh, choose your bridge crew choose for that episode. Go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Uh, when you did ahead, choose Andy. your your bridge crew for that episode. Uh, without saying, I'm not going to say who you chose. I'll leave that to the viewers to be surprised. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, uh, was it a chicken or an egg situation when it came to the dialogue? Did you write dialogue that you needed for the episode and then find use audio clips in the episode um, for certain legacy characters? I'll say just that. Did you know what yeah. you needed them to say and seek out the audio clips, or did you look for audio clips that could be utilized and patchwork a script together well it was sort of a chicken and the egg situation (laughs) exactly as you've described where i knew the general structure of the scene obviously because we have the template with the kobayashi maru uh program as seen in wrath of khan and uh, and and a few other places um but uh you know I, i as far as like it going awry then I was I, I, I started to I had watched so many episodes of Star Trek try, in preparation for this episode. I kind of started to see the code in the Matrix and and how every single you know bridge crew scene is structured. And so I was like, oh, okay, I need a line like this from this character. Um, you know, I need Uhura to say something about communications. And so then I, I did a reverse Boolean search of the entire Star Trek script archive. <laughs> And uh, and wound up reading about 80 different scripts top to bottom from across the entire Star Trek franchise and rewatching about 30 different episodes uh, to because sometimes I would find the perfect line of dialogue uh, and then I would go and listen to it and you know they they would say it in a funny way that wasn't appropriate or or they'd be turning away from the the boom mic you know because especially back in the 1960s the audio was actually not very good <laughs> it was just like one guy with a boom yeah. mic trying to capture Spock walking around the bridge uh, so so it was a, quite a challenge and uh, it, it it wound up I wound up putting in a lot of extra hours just trying to get it right but you know it was a labor of love. 
Well, it paid off. You know, it, it, I love that episode. It's probably <laughs> one of my favorites of, of the season. Well, I'm going to throw yeah, I, in, we've got a big question we've been asking ourselves ever since it was announced to go to uh, Netflix. Are we going to get the episodes yes. in blocks, or are we going to get a weekly episode? Um, I mean, the short answer is I do not know. <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is all 20 episodes for season two uh, are complete. I believe all that's left to do right now is just, uh, you know, closed captioning and international dubbing into foreign languages, which takes a little bit of time, but not, not too long. Uh, and then it's kind of up to Netflix uh, on how best to release them so they're seen. Uh, that being said, I, I do trust Netflix uh, to release them in the way that will be the best for viewership. You know, that's kind of their bread and butter is figuring that stuff out. And, uh, you know, I think both modern viewing habits of, you know, how people in the streaming age tend to sit down and watch television, but especially the viewing habits of younger audiences, um, you know, it's it's a really interesting sort of conundrum, right? Because we, we yeah. grew up watching one episode, wait a week, and then talk about it around the water cooler or the jungle gym, and then, and then the, the next episode comes along. But uh, with, with kids today, I sound like I'm a thousand years old. Kids today. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but kid, with kids today, their viewing habits uh, are substantially modeled from things like YouTube and live streams and, and Netflix and, and the like. And, and essentially they just will sit down, watch six, seven, eight, nine, sometimes ten episodes in one sitting of a half-hour show, and then that's how they watch content. And then they'll go back and re-watch that for months and months, and then only then will the next few episodes come out, and then they'll watch those over and over again. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic, and I, I do trust Netflix to make the right choice however it, 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 it rolls yeah. out. But, uh, hmm. you know, I, I understand that for people that review the episodes week to week, it's a, it will pose a challenge. But I, I, you're all smart. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yep. But we have no self-control, well, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've already decided on our show. We'll do a week-to-week, even if it comes out in a block. We'll still do an sure. episode a week, just, just so we have time to review each episode nicely. <clears throat> yeah. And what I can say is we, 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 oh, sorry. I was just going to say what I can say is we do have a number of two-parters as well. So that may make it slightly easier (laughs) uh, because then you can kind of review the the two-parters as one, you know, 45-minute episode, just like an old-school Star Trek episode. And maybe that (laughs) will make it a little easier for everyone. Well, when they double double an episode in uh, Lower Decks, Man, that threw our schedule off completely. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a quick question. Um, so you have a vision of what exactly is going to go through the uh, the show and everything. Do you actually see the show going for like maybe seven seasons, like the regular Star Trek used to be, or is it going to be somewhere in that ballpark? Um, well. Who knows what the future holds, obviously. Uh, I think the, the, the age of, of every show that it was even modestly successful getting seven seasons was kind of a, 
you know, that was much more common 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. However, I, you know, I will say that the, one of the few areas where that can still happen is uh, with some uh, animated shows. And specifically, I'm thinking of Tales of Arcadia, which is something mm-hmm. that, uh, that the Hagemans and myself worked on, which started with Troll Hunters, went through Three Below, Wizards, and then finally capped off with a movie. Uh, that went seven seasons in a movie. Uh, also, there's like Dragon Prince, which is very popular on Netflix. That has seven seasons. Uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, did very well on Netflix and now has uh, you know, a, a, a live-action series and a, other spinoff stuff in the works. So, you know, it really is uh, something that it's possible. I, I and we certainly have ideas that could take it all the way through seven seasons. Just how could I not? I'm a Star Trek fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're 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 really just trying to take it uh, one step at a time and and see how the show grows. And it seems to be growing. So you know, fingers crossed. Nice. Well, that was oh. that was a. Hey, I had a question. Oh. Oh. You Sorry, Jim. Us. I was just. Gonna... Oh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say there's a, a adjacent question to that, which is, do you all do any sort of long-term writing, or do you really think of a season per se as you know having bookends, a beginning and an end? You got to sort of wrap it up uh, at the end of the season, or do you do you plant do you intentionally plant seeds that can then be um, you know sown later or or harvested later? Yeah. Um, well, with with this type of story, which is kind of a semi-serialized action-adventure story, you know, I think we tend to prefer having it feel satisfying as a season, but then have little sort of dangling story threads that you can tug on for, for a new season in a kind of, you know, the adventure never ends kind of uh, mentality. And you saw a little bit of that in season one of Star Trek Prodigy, where it felt like, okay, the the, the characters, you know, kind of got to their destination, cleared of charges or what have you. But then uh, there's that little call to adventure at the end of, like, we're getting a signal from the wormhole, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and uh, there's, there's, a, there's another mission yet to come. And uh, that is, that's no different in season two. I think you'll find that there are a lot of threads that are wrapped up. And then there are some, even from season one, that we are hoping to explore very thoroughly uh, in future seasons. So uh, it's, it's a, I always picture it a little bit as like Deep Space Nine. You know, it's, it's a little wild to think that they planted, you know, the mystery of Odo's origin, for instance, in season one, and then they didn't even really explore it or tackle it until season three, and then it became like this, uh, <laughs> this springboard for the entire rest of the show with the, the Dominion War, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I think that that's kind of what we were going with, is like, let's, let's try to have the seasons stand on their own, but always have a little bit of something there that gives you a sense of where it's going to go next. And, you know, yeah. that, I feel like that's great Star Trek. It, it is. A little hope mission. for the future. Yeah, a little hope for the future yeah. there, right? you know, which I think is part of all Star Trek. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Aaron, um, I don't know if you can say much about it, but is everybody from season one going to be back for season two? Can you say that? Uh, when you say everybody, you mean the cast and crew, or do you mean the characters? Yeah, all the all the characters that we got to know in season one. Oh, are they going to be back for season yes. two? Yes. 
Excellent. Uh, Great to hear. Yes, they are. So we, we, if you haven't seen it yet and you've seen season one and you're curious about season two, uh, this summer at Star Trek Las Vegas, or I, I guess they can only just call themselves STLV now, um, <laughs> they, uh, we, managed, we got the permission to show a clip, which is now online, which is a four-minute scene from the pilot of season two. Uh, which reveals all kinds of cool goodies that, that are to come. You get to see the hero ship uh, that's coming. Uh, you see the return of the EMH, the doctor from Voyager, is joining the mission. And uh, we have the whole crew there, um, you know, ready to join Admiral Janeway on her, her next big mission. Hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent clip. Now, Aaron, and uh, we, speaking of the EMH, um, yeah. You guys have, have, have really just embraced Star Trek Voyager with Prodigy. And Prodigy uh, is a great entry show for, for young people. My kids love it. And you've kind of brought in Voyager as the entry legacy show for people to springboard from Prodigy to older Trek. Uh, what was the decision behind that? What, what made you all land on Voyager as the, the entry legacy show? Well, you know, there's actually like a number of, of uh, reasons why we thought that made the most sense. The immediate one was, with the exception of the movies, which show us like a very limited kind of narrow window of what, what you know, Star Trek looks like in the mid-2370s going into the 80s. Uh, Star Trek Voyager was the most recent kind of narrative uh, thread of like, okay, what happens next? And then, you know, they kind of wrapped it up very quickly in the Voyager finale and everyone was kind of left quest asking like, well, what happens now? They defeated the Borg, you know, there's all these, all of these, this incredible technology they brought back. And, uh, you know, obviously Picard explores that a little bit, but mostly just through the lens of, of Captain Picard's own personal journey in the aftermath of his adventures with the TNG crew. But we wanted to know what was going on with the rest of the Alpha Quadrant. Um, and, you know, as far as the um, hologram Janeway being modeled, the, the emergency training hologram that was modeled on Janeway, we thought who better to, you know, help a ragtag crew of mismatched miscreants try to become something of a Starfleet uh, crew on their voyage back from the Delta Quadrant. Because that's exactly what Janeway did in, on Voyager with the Maquis. Uh, and Neelix and all the other stories that she picked up along the way. Um, and so that was sort of like the two-pronged reason why we we wanted to explore that. Um, as far as the reason that Voyager is featured heavily, well, it's because when you have Kate Mulgrew, you know, it's a little bit hard to, to uh, not uh, approach her character and all of that represents first and then use that as a gateway to explore the rest of the Star Trek universe. Uh, Kate you know, and so we always kind of prodigy. Was that always the intention um, with the with the show? We we when we were first developing the series, we very quickly landed on the idea of like, oh, if Kate Mulgrew will do our show, then it opens up so many possibilities, and here's why it's perfect. And so we started writing the show with her in mind. Uh, but, you know, the negotiations process, was <laughs> it always takes a very long time. So there was a long stretch mm -hmm. where we were writing, you know, 
themes of Hologram Janeway in, in episodes, and we're like, I hope she signs on. <laughs> <Wow>. uh, and, <laughs> but sure, sure enough, like we once she actually read the scripts that we were writing and saw what we were doing with it, uh, and and realized that this was a gateway to the imaginations of children and adults alike to watch together, uh, she was 100% on board and has been our, our biggest champion and ally in our series, and we're so lucky to have her. Agreed. That's excellent. Hey, we've got a, we have a caller on the line, guys. You want to talk to a, a big Star Trek fan right now? Hey. Yeah, let me see. <laughs> let me get the phone line opened up here. Hey, hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, yes, I have a question for Mr. Aaron Walkie. Um, <laughs> yes. You said that there's a possibility of future seasons. What do you have in mind, per se, for my personal favorite character, a character with so much depth and, and, and warmth and, and, and just growth uh, throughout the series, the ship computer? <laughs> well, I, I I could tell you, but then I'd be spoiling uh, all of the incredible storylines. <laughs> Hello, Bonnie. How are you? <laughs> Hi. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Wait, how did you know it was me? <laughs> well, oh, call her ID, Bonnie. Call her ID. <laughs> oh, darn. Yeah. I knew I should have called so in for those... an unknown burner phone. <laughs> I thought I could get some spoilers. For those listening, this... <laughs> For those listening, this is uh, Bonnie Gordon, the uh, the voice of the ship's computer in Star Trek Prodigy. She's also the voice of the Bernari Ensign who saves Admiral Janeway at the end of season one and many other wonderful characters in the Star Trek universe. Oh, Welcome aboard. Yay. Oh, thank you. I've been listening. It's what a wonderful interview. <laughs> now, I couldn't I, have I, I couldn't have done it better myself. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Bonnie, you are gonna be appearing at Trek Long Island uh, again this year, right? Uh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. I so, will be there. I have um, I have a pretty extensive con schedule this year, uh, and a lot of them being Star Trek conventions, so I'll be posting that soon so everyone can find that, me. I'll be doing more great. music. Prepare for more Star Trek music. Ah, I'm looking forward also, to meeting you. I also believe, I also believe we are both going to be appearing uh, on January 13th on the Trek yes. Talks uh, uh, Hollywood Food Coalition Drive uh, run by John Billingsley and I guess co-hosted by, by you now, right, Bonnie? Yes, yes. I've been co- this is my third year in a row co-hosting. Um, Trek Talks yes. is a telethon uh, to raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. It is all virtual. You can watch it in your pajamas from home. And it's an all-day telethon. And all the proceeds go to help the Hollywood Food Coalition, helping feed the homeless in both Los Angeles and Southern California areas. And it's such a good cause. John Billingsley and his wife um, are are running that. When I say they went above and beyond with the panels this year, we even have a we even have a season three Picard um, reunion panel with uh, Terry Metalis and of course a lot of the cast from Picard joining. So that one is definitely going to be uh, a fun one. And and Aaron Walkie, of course, is on one of our panels. And, I mean, there's just so yes. much. I believe the Hagemans yes, are doing uh, one my, as well. So, yeah, yeah uh, the panel I'll be on is going to be – it's a Prodigy Voyager, Voyager crossover panel. And so it's myself, yes. the Hageman brothers, and, believe it or not, Brandon Braga, 
is going to be on the panel with us. So oh, that'll be a really fun. interesting conversation. I can't wait to chat with him, and I can't wait for all of you to, to uh, join us. Yeah, the panels are fantastic. I, Trek Division has a few up there, Steve, as well. I mean, really, uh, check it out. You can go to trektalks.net, I believe, or just look up any of the um, – any of any of our socials on, on like Twitter and Instagram, we're going to be all posting about it and having all the information up there. But yeah, January thirteenth, I believe it starts at nine a.m., ten a.m. I'll have to double check my time zones are weird, but uh, yeah, go to the website. It's an all-day <laughs> telethon, and it, they have so much exciting things planned. And we'll we'll get a link up on our Facebook page for you guys as well, so you guys that are listening. Uh, can go to our Facebook page, and we'll get a link up there for you as well. So you can go Perfect. right to it and check it out. Excellent. So, so, Bonnie, are you working on anything new right now that you can talk about? Uh, no, because NDAs are terrible. No. <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, well, mm, let me think. I, I am working on some new music, so that is something to look forward to. And I, I got a few tricks up my sleeve. I got a few... Uh, there's a few things at my sleeve that um, I'm hopefully hopefully we'll be able to announce soon. Excellent. That's that's good news. Really good news. Yeah. Yeah. So, looking forward to Aaron, looking forward to um, without any spoilers, um I I don't know, does the Voyager have a, a ship computer? <laughs> I guess. It does indeed. I think I, I, you know what? I will, I will give you this exclusive now that Bonnie, Bonnie is in fact the voice of all Starfleet computers in the mid 2380s, which includes yes. Voyager A. Yes. Yeah, and actually, that's that's not a spoiler because remember the episode in season one where they end up in the starbase in the middle of nowhere uh, with that lone Starfleet officer. Uh, that's and, right. And, you know they're going they're going through all the computers and and learning. A lot, and um, you know, Rock Talk is going through all the different types of science that she could focus on. Uh, I am the ship computer on that as well, so I've already been a Starfleet computer, so it's not technically a spoiler. So that's true. We've, we've broken. Just, we've broken yeah. no rules, Aaron. No rules have been broken. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it, you will be excited to know that, that Voyager A, she does have a presence there, and uh, so and so she continues on in season two. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I didn't good mean news. to commandeer the interview. I just wanted to call and say hello and to show my support and to say how wonderful I think Aaron Wolke is and uh, no better person to be pretty much helming, helming the ship with the Hagemans. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. We, couldn't, we wouldn't have a ship talking to us without you. So. <laughs> so well, we, I mean, and, and, you, I, I have a feeling you'd find someone, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, but no, it, it, Prodigy is, is, Star Trek in general, and especially Prodigy, is very near and dear to my heart. So I've been honored to be a part of the journey and a part of the uh, adventure with you all from the beginning. So, yeah. And, Aaron, I will let you go, get back to it. I just wanted to call and show my support, and also, um, I don't know, I just was feeling silly. <laughs> well, the right I'm way. Glad we also, it, gave, you. <laughs> it, gave, it gave me an excuse to plug the Hollywood Food Coalition uh, ship thing. So exactly. Okay. That was my goal, obviously. That was my goal the whole time. <laughs> or at least that's what I'm going to stick to. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so Have much. Have a great for night, everybody. Bonnie, thank you very yeah. much. Thank I'll be you. listening. I'm, I'll thank be listening. You. So if you talk about me after this, I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> the ship's computer I'm always listening. I'm always listening, Aaron Mulkey. I'll talk to y'all later. Have a great night, Bye. everybody. Live long Good and night. prosper. Bye, buddy. Nice and proper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we just got to talk to the uh, Starfleet computer voice of the future. I was going to say the proto star, but I guess that's not true anymore. <laughs> she is the voice of Starfleet. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Bonnie. Thank you to Edwin for setting that up for us. So, Aaron, now we, we uh, are we, I don't know what I can ask. I don't want any to get in trouble. Um, other than the EMH and the real Janeway, uh, is there a possibility of any other uh, legacy Voyager characters uh, showing up? I'm thinking of one in particular, but I don't know if, if, if I can say anything. <laughs> I'm trying to dance around it. Right. Well, here's what I can say. Uh, there are other Star Trek legacy characters that are very uh, big, that you know who they are. I promise you that will appear in season two. And they do not have just cameos either. Wow. That's all I could say. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. pretty good, though. That's more, that's more than yeah. enough. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That now, is Aaron, I actually just got a message. another question. Go ahead. Uh, I yep. just wanted to say, um, with the legacy characters, and we've seen legacy characters on Picard, we've seen them pop in on uh, Lower Decks, we've seen a, a couple series share legacy characters. Um, how does that all work out in this golden age of Star Trek with five shows, at least for a time, five shows in production at the same time? Does everyone get together and call dibs on certain characters is Alex Kurtzman acting as a middleman, kind of deciding which series get to. And, and one example of this, without saying precisely the name of the character in question, there's an outrageous character who shows up on your show and on Lower Decks <laughs> and has an iPad yes. that we didn't formally see on either show. Uh, we saw, when we originally saw this character, who put the iPad on him? Was that a surprise to the other show? How does that all work? Right. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a privilege to work on a show that has a shared universe that's as intricately entwined as Star Trek is. And, you know, just, canon alone, it can be a daunting task. But I, I think on top of that, you have five shows at one point were all in production at the same time, I think, uh, that were all adding to canon and working with each other to make sure we weren't necessarily, you know, stepping on each other's toes. And it it was, uh, the short answer is that there were sort of regular get-togethers of all of the the executive producers where we would all kind of talk out our season and and make sure everybody knew what was going on. And, uh, And whenever there was an instance where somebody was like, somebody might have a parallel thought of like, oh, what about this character? What about this particular area of Starfleet? Um, you know, the, the folks at Secret Hideout were very good at flagging that and saying, oh, we love that idea, but you should talk to these people because they just turned in the script that also is dealing with that. And then we would hop on a call and, and, and hash it out, and it, it worked out great. You know, we've done that. we did that with both Lower Decks and Picard and other shows that I can't talk about yet. Um, and, but what is really interesting is the 
uh, with what you're learning, alluding to is the return of the outrageous Okona, uh, or Okana, I should yes. say, uh, who uh, was uh, this character that was just in one, uh, I would say, novelty episode of The Next Generation is a generous way to put it. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody necessarily said <laughs> yeah. it's the greatest episode of TNG, but I think that character in particular kind of stuck with people. And so uh, both Mike McMahon's team and our team both had the idea of bringing him back as this sort of like copy of a copy of Han Solo. <laughs> but uh, I believe it was, uh, it was um, Billy Campbell who, who, you know, was the Rocketeer and played Okona uh, or Okana. It was his idea to have him not be swarthy and not, ha- not be cool, but just kind of be like a little bit beat up <laughs> over the years by his sort of cocksure fly by night attitude. Um, and so, uh-huh. We, when we designed him, he was like, "Oh yeah, have him." Put, he put on a little bit of weight. He hasn't. He lost an eye, and so we designed him and had started uh, writing him into the into the show. And, and then Mike McMahon called and said, "Hey, we have this funny cutaway gag where a couple of years earlier he's DJing a party," uh, and we were like, "That's great. That works perfectly. He totally would DJ a Federation party. Uh, just make sure that he's missing an eye." I think at one point we even pitched, "What if you had him lose the eye in the party?" And and they were like, it, it, it's only a three-second cutaway gag. We can't do it. It's <laughs> not enough time. Um, but uh, but it was it was great. And you know, similarly with we had um, some, some plenty of other uh, opportunities where our ideas kind of influence other shows and vice versa, as you will see in, in uh, future seasons of of those shows. Very cool. I can't Excellent. Remember. Aaron, I just had a fan text me a question because uh, he's afraid to come on the radio and ask it in person. So I'm going to ask it for a fan. So uh, this fan really enjoyed the uh, Strange New Worlds crossover episode that we had with Lower Decks. This fan wants to know if there's any plans for a Lower Decks slash Prodigy crossover as well. If you could talk. You know, we... I mean, there's, I can't really talk about it strictly, but what I can say is, you know, we have discussed it with Mike McMahon, and the one issue that, that is juggled in any scenario like that is, um, you know, because Lower Decks takes place a few years before ours, if we have a character show up on our show, it means that you automatically, they're kind of locked into whatever fate, <laughs> you know, we, we have there. That's not to say it's impossible. I'm just saying that it's, it's, it takes a little bit of uh, tap dancing to make it work. Um, but, uh, you know, we, would, we would love crossovers, and we want to try to make, make it clear that this is a very shared universe. And, uh, you know, you'll have to tune in to find out what, how we are able to do that. Now, what, what did you think of those Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover? Did you like it? I thought it was delightful. You know, uh, Bill Wolkoff, one of the co-writers of, of uh, that episode, is a good friend of mine. Uh, we actually worked together years ago at, uh, at DreamWorks together. He was show running uh, a, a, a great Netflix animated series called Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, uh, while I was uh, co-show running a series called Wizards, Tales of Arcadia. And, uh, you know, we, we became fast friends and, and – uh, uh, and especially when we both started working in Star Trek, we were like, hey, neighbor. <laughs> um, 
So it was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that episode. I think it was, it was fun because uh, similar to the, the joy of, uh, of a lot of these kind of celebratory type episodes, it was really funny to have a time traveler come back in time and view all of these characters as the sort of legends they eventually become and then have to tap dance around that and, and tell a really great and funny and, uh, and heartfelt story uh, of with Pike especially, you know, making – making time, uh, making use of the time you have and make it count rather than just resigning yourself to a fate. It's not a, not necessarily about how much time you have, but it's about a life well lived. And I thought that was a great message for that episode. And I'm going to ask you one more question about, about, I want, I want to know what did you think about subspace Rhapsody? And is there a chance that we might see a musical episode of Prodigy as well? (laughs) Listen, I love, (laughs) I love musicals, and, you know, I think that uh, we've already sort of had a little bit of a musical number on, uh, uh, I think there was a little bit of a musical number in one of the Star Trek Prodigy season one episodes, where you find out Murph does karaoke in a sort of (laughs) Big Fontaine-esque bar, (laughs) so... You know, I if we can find a way to make it work, that's the trick, right? Because I don't want to just copy what they did. Uh, maybe Q will snap his fingers when he gets too drunk, <laughs> and, and everybody sings in a musical. Do we know the alien? Who the alien Smith is? I've never seen that guy before in Star Trek history. I was just curious. What what alien species Murph is? Uh, yeah. So he, he is a melanoid slime worm which was only referenced in one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where somebody uh, calls uh, Wesley Crutcher a melanoid slime worm, uh, seemingly as an insult, but uh, I don't know. I think Murph's pretty cute. (laughs) And so I was just kind of wondering if he was a distant cousin of the Tribbles at all. Of the Tribbles. You know, I would say (laughs) spiritually definitely similar to the the Tribbles insofar as uh, Murph loves to eat just about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, we have another, we have another caller on the line. So uh, let's get, let's give a fan an opportunity to talk to Aaron. If I can get this to connect, there we go. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for calling truck talking. What's your name and where you're calling us from tonight? Hello. Oh, hello. 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 You're live. Oh, you have a question hi, for Aaron? Hi, it's Edwin. Edwin, oh, you're not a oh, fan. Hey, Edwin. <laughs> you were calling Edwin, me Aaron. Like I was like, who's Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> hi, hello, hello, hello. Uh, no, I just I was I was calling in to say um, how much I love Prodigy. Um, I it was you know when when we first heard like rumblings that there was a an animated series coming out and it was going to be for you know tentatively for children and it was going to be a group of teenagers on a starship. I was like, oh no. And then like as it started to emerge and I was at the panel at New York Comic Con and I I saw the material. I was just so impressed. I thought they were great characters, well-rounded. And one of the things that I, you know, I read the book about Star Trek, the animated series. And one of the things that Gene Roddenberry had said is he wanted to do a Star Trek that like didn't talk down to kids. Like it was entertaining. It was Mm -hmm. educational. And they got that with the animated series. And Prodigy is uh, more than continuing that legacy. Uh, It's an amazing show, and it it speaks on multiple levels, not just to kids, but it also 
you know, people watch it as a family. They introduce their children to Star Trek through it. And there's so much, as a diehard fan of the original series, I mean, the Kobayashi Maru episode was amazing. <laughs> um, and the, the episode where they find um, Enton Garavik's shuttlecraft, spoilers if anyone hasn't seen it, and that whole society is emerged around Starfleet. I was, I was like, I, I was having a seizure. It was so good, you know. So uh, I just want to commend you, commend you for everything you've done. And, and as you're talking about crossovers, I mean, if you did like a live action prodigy uh, in, in a crossover or a standalone, um, would you have the actors who do the voices play their counterparts? And, and would you get D. Bradley Baker smeared up in blue paint as a blob? <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, you know, I, I you're, thankfully your sentiment has been echoed by a lot of folks, and it's very heartening to see that the Star Trek fandom has sort of recognized what we're trying to achieve with the series and uh, is embracing it as something that, the, you know, two-year-olds can watch with 92-year-olds, and it's like a, yeah. truly a family affair the way that Star Trek once was. Uh, in regards to your question, uh, we always make every effort to bring back the original actors, uh, no matter how long they've been, uh, you know, maybe away from the Star Trek community or the acting world. Uh, so, you know, I, I think at one point there was a, someone asked uh, Ella Purnell or Brett Gray, like, would you would you get in the Star Trek makeup if they did live action? And both of them unequivocally said yes. And I think that's great because you know, we uh, we did kind of model the characters in some ways after them, so I don't think it would be a very big leap at all to uh, to, to see them in live action. That's, that's fantastic. And uh, and you've also given Kate Mulgrew the distinction of playing multiple Janeways. It's like uh, I always yes. smiled my hologram Janeway, Admiral Janeway. <laughs> so that it, it, it was wonderful to have her back and the dynamic with them and playing an earlier version of Janeway. That was just so... And, and to see the difference when you actually do see Admiral Janeway of how she's changed, uh, you know, it, it, it's just so well written. One other comment, I don't want to, like, dominate, but the other thing I'd like to bring that hasn't been mentioned, I don't believe, is the music of the show. Not musical, but the actual music. Um, uh, Michael Giacchino's main theme is amazing, and, and Nami Melamud's work on the show is is. Uh, is absolutely amazing. It, she, I, I think she's one of the best composers since the original series. I just love her work on both Prodigy and Strange New Worlds. So that has to be said, you know. I, I absolutely agree. Nami is, uh, is a gift, and there are so many occasions where uh, she just absolutely elevates the material, you know, because even we have limitations in animation, and sometimes we're like, oh, gosh, I wish this moment was a little more epic. And then she comes in with her 50-piece orchestra <laughs> and <it laughs> sweeps us off our feet. Uh, so, you know, if yeah, I encourage fans out there, just look up some of the music for Star Trek Prodigy. It is phenomenal. And, it, it, and dare I say, it stands at least alongside the Jerry Goldsmiths and the Alan Horners of the world. Absolutely. Agree 200%. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, she's going to be back doing the soundtrack again for season two, obviously. Yes, that's right. Nami loves our show. She says it's a, it is, uh, I won't get her in trouble. I'll say she said it's one of her favorite shows that she works on. 
but uh, she also does the music for Strange New Worlds as well and does an amazing job there. Is there a Prodigy soundtrack available? I'm not, I'm not even sure. There is. If you go to, there I is? think it's on Spotify and, and Apple Music and wherever music is sold, you can find all of the Star Trek Prodigy music available there. What about uh, so a, definitely uh, pick it up. Physical Excellent. media. Do you, have, do you have any physical media? <laughs> we we do actually. Season one uh, has all twenty episodes available uh, on Blu-ray, and uh, we just released season two a couple of months ago. Or sorry, season one B, the second half of the season, um, uh, a couple of months ago on Blu-ray, and uh, I'm in I'm even in the special features, which is kind of cool. Um, so I, I've been told that the, the special features documentaries that we have, especially in the back half, were, were quite good. So that worth checking out and picking up. You can find those on Amazon. I, I was and wondering about at least some of. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was wondering about the music. Uh, is, the, is the music out on oh. CD or? Uh, that I don't know. I think maybe they're still figuring that out. But I, I would love a vinyl of Star Trek Prodigy for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I buy everything on vinyl. Yeah. Vinyl's the way. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I was going to ring off now, Jim, so I can clear your phone lines for other people to call in. And, and, and whoever's listening out there, I urge you, strongly urge you to call in and, and uh, shower your praise on Aaron for, for, and, and the team <laughs> for Prodigy. An amazing show. Thank you so much really appreciate you and your team for the work they've done it's great thank you thank you so much thank edwin. you have a good night yeah edwin thanks for calling in man that was great no problem thank you so much really enjoyed talking with you talk to you again thank you bye-bye bye i gotta pitch one real quick aaron if i can um i have sure. a problem um, I guess you might call it an addiction. <laughs> uh, I have a little bit of a toy collecting problem, and it sure. gets a little difficult sometimes. And recently, uh, a lot of us were saddened to find out that uh, the Playmates is kind of pulling out of the Star Trek business again, right? And they were just really getting started again, and they did such a great job with the Prodigy figures, and they never got around to doing uh, Rock Talk. They never got around to doing... Uh, it was supposedly had a hologram Janeway that was coming that maybe mm-hmm. some of us pre-ordered. And have you heard any glimmer of hope that, that maybe they would be able to get a complete crew for us or are they just done? Well, you know, I can't really speak to that officially yet, but what I can say is, you know, the, Playmates is not the only one capable of slash has a license to produce Star Trek merchandise. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I think that there is uh, there is reason to have hope, but that's about as much as I can say at this particular <laughs> juncture. But stay stay tuned. There is there is some you know I believe me I want <laughs> I want Star Trek strategy action figures as much as you do. I like I've been waiting for. Uh, a, a, a proto star that I could put on my mantle for yes. a, since before yes. this was even announced. <laughs> An incomplete um, crew likewise, is one of the worst things ever, man. It's like this massive I gap. Know. It's like, come on, come on, guys. And they were just absolutely splendid. I mean, they really were just uh, just dynamite, right? Just really did justice to the characters. Uh, so No, they did a great just, job. What, what and, happened? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I I can't speak to that, but I do know that 
you know, market forces are tumultuous and weird, uh, but I, I think that there are ways that mer- Star Trek merchandise can be produced, and uh, mm. there is more uh, Star Trek merchandise coming, and it is my sincere hope that Prodigy will be among them. I feel um, like I'm reading your I Invisible say, Ink, Aaron. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I can say also is I, I think somebody actually, while we were talking, messaged me uh, asking if there would be an Art of Prodigy book. Um, it is something that we have gathered materials for. I think the question is is just when and how. So but here's hoping because there is so much gorgeous art. Uh, for Star Trek Prodigy uh, and hundreds of artists that I think deserve to have their uh, incredible talents, uh, you know, immortalized in, in a, a great coffee table book. So we're, here's hoping that that, that manifests, but uh, it, it, it's something that has been talked about. Very cool, man. And I, I got to sneak one else in because I'm very curious, and I bet a lot of our listeners are too. I understand you might be getting in the Transformers business. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I did do a little bit of work on the forthcoming Transformers film, uh, Transformers 1. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I was very much just uh, sort of a, a helping hand, but uh, the team is wonderful. Uh, it's a very cool story with Chris Hemsworth uh, paying, playing Orion Pax, who is the young version yes. of, uh, of, um, of uh, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime and, yeah. uh, it's an amazing cast. Yes. So, Very cool, man. Uh, That's I, I can't great. really say much more about it, but but I did I did write uh, uh, on that uh, that particular installment in the Transformers franchise. Very cool, brother. Thank you for sharing a little bit of that. That well, we're all just super excited for whenever whenever we can find out a date that Prodigy season two. Uh, I think it's coming out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the date for Transformers. Like, that's coming no, out no, no. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. That's good, too. Uh, I, I, yeah. We're leading with Prodigy, <laughs> as <man>. far as, <laughs> As far as Prodigy goes, just stay tuned. You know, I think that's still being uh, sorted. But uh, uh, in the meantime, please, everybody, if, if either if you've seen it or and you want to rewatch it or you haven't seen it uh, yet, Go to Netflix and, and watch all 20 episodes. They go by so quickly. They're basically designed to be binge-worthy. And I've heard from many people that it, it binges very quickly. And, and in some ways, it's an even better watch on Netflix. Uh, so uh, nice. please check out the series. I think you'll really enjoy it. So do you have a favorite episode of choosing one? Um, it's hard for me to say. I mean, there's there's episodes that I, I are near and dear to me because I you know I wrote them, but uh, you know of the ones I wrote, I I really did enjoy uh, all the world on stage. I thought that was a great little. Uh, that's that's the episode that that was alluded to uh, by Edwin about the uh, planet that had a cultural contamination from Starfleet itself and wound up becoming sort of a planet of for lack of a better term, sort of start the cosplayers, uh, but then they, they wind up uh, needing to enlist their help. Um, and so it was, uh, it, that one is near and dear to my heart because I definitely have been underestimated in my lifetime. And I always feel like it's, sometimes it's, it's those that you perceive as, as the least among you being the very things that could be your salvation, which is very much the theme of all of Star Trek, but especially Star Trek Prodigy. Cool. Thank you. Excellent. And, uh, Aaron, Andy, when you were writing that episode, um, was it your was it in the script that there would be a, a Shatner 
voice done, or was that uh, an invention on the day of, of a performer or a director's input? And and talk about the line between going parody and going homage to to TOS. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I can I can confirm that in the script there's a line of uh, of description that says that uh, that that particular character launches into quote uh, Shatnerian spoken word poetry. <laughs> so, well, thank you for that. Was, <laughs> that was delightful. It was there from the beginning. Uh, but uh, as far as like whether it's a parody or an homage, I think one thing that we wanted to explore in that episode was, was kind of a reflection of our own culture, specifically the place that Star Trek holds, uh, you know, in the kind of public domain. Because, you know, you, you can run up to people on the street and they will have never seen an episode of Star Trek in their life, but they could go, beam me up, Scotty, which is funny because he has mm-hmm. never actually said that phrase. Mm-hmm. But that, it's a really interesting co- like copy of a copy of a copy of this sort of cultural meme before memes were like a thing for the Internet where uh, Star Trek starts to embody something that's bigger than the actual limitations of the episodes that, that it uh, comprises. So that was something we wanted to explore in that episode of like, go ahead. Yeah, and that's something you guys do really well, that you, you to, to, to kind of mirror what Edwin said, when, when the show was first announced, I just assumed that it would be, you know, uh, introducing kids to Star Trek, maybe like a, a bit at a time, just kind of weaning them on to Star Trek. And you all went kind of full force into the canon of it, but you did it in such a great way that, it, it puts canon all around the characters as they go through an enjoyable adventure that is made with kids in mind. It doesn't speak down to them, but it's made with them in mind. And you put canon everywhere around them so that kids watching it who don't know Star Trek can say, that's something from the Star Trek universe. I don't know what it is yet. I might someday. They understand it's just a, a bigger part of the universe that they're watching. And, and how do Speak about how you how you do that, how you approach canon in such a way that you can put it into the episodes without overwhelming and finding the right the right balance, I guess, of canon versus just storytelling. Well, I think you kind of touched upon it insofar as the, the, the key ingredient is you always put your main characters first. Have their journey be the journey of the episode. And then, you know, the canon elements is sort of like the fun icing uh, that might actually run deeper thematically as it does through all of Star Trek. So, you know, the, like, we don't typically throw canon references in just because, you know, there's, it usually arises from a need in the story that we're trying to tell. Like, oh, we need guards on a planet that is somewhat on the outs of the Federation. Well, maybe they should be Zindi reptilians <laughs> because they have a reason to be on the outs of the Federation, you know, uh, or, with, uh, with, you know, episodes like All the World's a Stage, you know, we wanted that to be sort of an homage to TOS. And, you know, the original idea, which was kind of batted around in the room, was like, what if, a, you know, a planet was contamina- contaminated by the original logs from 114 years ago of the, of the, the original series Enterprise? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? And what would that result in <laughs> if you had a highly imitatable uh, you know, race like uh, like the ones you saw in a piece of the action in TOS. So it's sort of like a double <laughs> reference. Um, right. But so you know, we always we always kind of approach it from the, the standpoint of 
what is what are some emotional character driven bills that we have to pay but then also what's our wish list of just really fun stuff that we want to see in a star trek series and either new stuff or revisit things that maybe or nagging questions and and or you thought yeah. they, there's more story to tell with them and it just becomes this really wonderful cocktail as you kind of have all these amazing you know almost 60 years of ingredients to play with inevitably you will find any story that you can want to tell you can uh use the the incredible palette that uh this show has created and like you said i think you do a great job of finding a way to introduce those elements honestly and in support of the story rather than just you know empty calories so to speak and you you do it in a way too that i think doesn't overwhelm anyone who is not familiar with canon but it's a way of understanding that there's a bigger, richer world out there, and maybe whetting the appetites of kids who want to learn more about the 50-plus years of Star Trek because of all the elements they're seeing, the rich tapestry that you guys are weaving into these stories. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and I, I knew that, at least in my heart, that that would work because that was my introduction to Star Trek. You know, I, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, so yeah, sure. It, it, I had TNG, but it, as time went on, TNG would just toss out stuff about the Romulans and the Vulcans, and, and, uh, and I didn't really have a starting place. I just kind of absorbed it by osmosis. Uh, but the stories were compelling enough that I was like, I want to find out more about how transporter buffers work mm-hmm. and who was that old guy Scotty who came out and started talking to me, you know about mm-hmm. Jordy and 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 it, it becomes this wonderful kind of it reminds me almost like Terry Pratchett's book series where he says you can read my books in any order and it's probably better that way because <laughs> <laughs> they're all just stories that are self-contained but they they touch on each other yeah very cool very cool thank um, you <clears throat> Aaron, I'm not sure if you have much to do with them, but do you know any idea how well the books did? And have we got a chance of getting any more? I, I, I do not know how well they did, you know, as far as the chance for more. Uh, honestly, who knows? If, if, if it does fantastic on Netflix and there's a demand for them, you know, the, I think that then that, that means that there's no reason why they – they might not explore that. So I, I don't know how well they did, but interestingly enough, I, I just was reached out by somebody who read the books first and then said, I checked out the show because I read the books and they intrigued me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Well, so they, clearly well, people are reading them. Yeah. Well, not only that, but actually I, I think one of the books was loosely based on the video game. And that was interesting right. to see that yes. the game yes. on a switch and having fun with that one. And was thinking back to the book that I'd read earlier. Yeah, and uh, so, and one uh, of the writers of the game actually was uh, was Lisa Schultz Boyd, uh, who was in our season one writers room. So there's a lot of continuity there for sure. Wow, wow, that's nice to see you, one of your book writers was actually one of your story writers. So I hope you, I hope you can get some more books out. I'm hoping. Me too. I, I love, I love ancillary merch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Aaron, how many, when you sit down to write an episode, 
How many people are in the writer's mm-hmm. room and what's the typical, how does that happen? Does somebody come in and say, oh, I have an idea where the Klingons show up and it just starts there <laughs> and you just start throwing ideas together? How does, uh, talk us through how an episode is actually goes from idea to page to screen, if you would. Sure. Yeah. So on, on Star Trek Prodigy in particular, because we have a, a serialized overarching story in addition to the episodes of the week, uh, we kind of approached it from two different uh, angles. One was what are our character arcs for the season uh, for each character? And, you know, Dal's character was like learning how to be a good captain and, and sort of casting off the sort of self-centered survival mode instincts that he had uh, you know, from his rough childhood and shaping some of those instincts into something that makes him a good leader. Um, or Rock Shock, who kind of started as this character is misunderstood as this, uh, someone who is a large, you know, hulking brick car that only was good for lifting things and knocking people out. But she realized that she actually had ambitions and talents as a science officer uh, stuff like that uh, is was kind of like the heart of the characters, and then on top of that, we kind of wanted to figure out, okay, where do we think they'll they'll start the season, plot wise? Where will they end the season, plot wise? And then after that, it becomes what's called a blue sky period, where you know anything is sort of allowed once you kind of have some of those basic tenets figured out, and people will come in, and sometimes we'll just have brainstorming sessions where we're like, all right, everybody, go away for an hour. Think up, uh, you know, as many random Star Trek ideas that are either tied into this plot or just a freewheeling idea and bring them back and we'll, just, and we'll go through them one by one and discuss. And then once we've kind of mined all of that raw material, uh, we'll kind of pick out our favorites that will kind of float to the top. We'll keep them over on the side of the, the room on a little board. And then uh, one by one, episode by episode, will start playing and saying, oh, maybe this episode where Dal kind of realizes that he's not a hotshot captain could be the uh, Kobayashi Maru holodeck episode that, that somebody brought in. And, and those wind up marrying to each other really well because what is the Kobayashi Maru if not a leadership test that's designed to break people that are, that are arrogant. Um, and then we, it, it all kind of falls into place that way. It's a very fun process, and I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. Uh, but it can also be challenging, too, especially once you're, you're, you have the board almost filled, but there's like one or two episodes that you really have to <laughs> get A to connect to B, and you have to, that's when you really have to dig in and lean on your writers and figure it out together. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. A yeah. A lot of people wonder that. And what about your what about your animators now? Uh, are, are they privy to what's going on? Do they know what's happening, or um, you know, how, how do you get in touch? How, are they there when you're planning all of this, so they know what they have to what they have to do? So with with Prodigy and and many other shows, we at least on season one, we actually had all twenty episodes written in advance, uh, so that they we knew very clearly what. This, what was going to be expected and where the show was going. So we were able to plan ahead in that regard. And uh, once the scripts are done, then it goes to um, our storyboard artists who, you know, uh, draw out storyboards, uh, which then are cut together into an animatic 
which kind of gives you a, a sense in very rough sort of drop frame animation uh, with sound effects and what's called scratch audio, where like I might do a, a zero impression reading his lines or something. Um, just to give you a sense of how long the episode is, is it playing, is there anything it's missing? And then we'll bring in the actors and record their lines, uh, and then we ship it overseas, and there's a bunch of really intense, intricate steps involved in the CGI animation. Uh, then it goes to lighting, sound effects, um, special effects, and NAMI for the, 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 the composition, the music score. Um, and it's every stage is just kind of like steel sharpening steel. We'll add a little bit more. Sometimes we'll discover things as we're going. The animators might add a little flourish or something that we weren't, that wasn't necessarily in the script. Uh, the actors might ad lib a line that works really well. Um, and all of it together kind of breaks this sort of, you know, we, we kind of create the playing field and then everybody just comes in at the top of their talents and intelligence. Uh, and tries to make the best show possible. And it's an excellent show at that. Beautiful animation. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, that was <laughs> that impressed us when we, when we started talking about it. On the podcast was the animation. It's very different from Lower Decks, for instance. Yeah, it's, it's a very different style. It was kind of pioneered just in the last 10 years. You know, obviously there have been CGI shows, but they have not been to the level of like an animated feature until, you know, I think Troll Hunters definitely was one of the first shows that really pushed those limits. And then before that, you had shows like Star Wars Rebels and that sort of thing that made it possible to even, you know, do a CGI show at all. <laughs> but uh, to have it be almost feature level quality or at least what animated features looked like in maybe 2007 and 2008. That's something that's only been possible in the last decade or so. And, and I, I think our team, especially given the, the limited resources and budget we have, knock it out of the park. Oh, it, it shows for sure. Well, before, yeah. before we have to say goodnight, I want to go around to my truck spurts and give everybody an opportunity to ask a final question. And uh, I'll start off with Eric. Uh, Eric, do you have any a last question you want to ask Aaron? Gosh, I guess the only other thing I was wondering, Aaron, we spent so much time on Prodigy. I'm, obviously, as a writer yourself, you're very talented, and I'm curious about maybe maybe other influences of yours outside of Star Trek. Are you a sci-fi guy? Do you like romances? Like, what's your jam? <laughs> um, I mean, I love pretty much all genre fiction, but science fiction and fantasy especially are near and dear to my heart. You know, Lord of the Rings and Dune were very influential to me as a kid. Uh, the works of Isaac Asimov, uh, Terry Pratchett, um, you know, it's it's all like a big soup in, in my head <laughs> of, uh, like, things that I like. Um, you know, I, 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 I like a lot of horror, you know, Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it, 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 all, it all kind of... If, if something is slightly elevated, I guess is the right word. If something uh, sort of aspires to something beyond the natural or the normal, but finds a way to uh, ground it or center it with a, a kind of an emotional truth, that's the types of stories that I really love. 
And uh, those are found, uh, you know, in all kinds of genres, which are absolutely my favorite and my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, Prodigy definitely fits right into exactly what you're describing right now. So thanks for your work on that. And um, fascinating to have you on the podcast and get to talk to you for a nice long time. So thank you so much. And I'll pass that microphone over to Charles. Ah, I think all my questions got answered. Thank you very much. This has been, for the first show of the year, we really put together a great show. This conversation on Prodigy has been fabulous. Very well, hey, it was my pleasure to be here. How about you, David? Did you have a final question, something we didn't get to? Um, yeah, so... Um, I'm just a little curious. Um, I'm known as a donut guy, but I also like Tribbles. So I was wondering if there's any kind of an announcement that maybe Tribbles might show up in Prodigy. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I can't answer that one way or the other. But okay. I, I do love Tribbles, so okay. I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. All right. How about you, Andy? Any last question for Aaron? Yeah, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about the uh, very short Trek episode, Holograms All the Way Down, <laughs> and yes. the, the just treasure trove of guest voices that appear in that. Was that uh, another instance of this wishful writing and, and praying and crossing fingers that it would all fall into place, or did you have a list to work with of who you could put into that uh, script? Uh, for the most part, it was definitely the former, where I just kept putting people into the two-minute <laughs> shorts, and nobody said uh-huh. no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh-huh. I guess I'll, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> um, but no, that was that was a happened. very fun. Yeah, right. Uh, that was a really fun project. You know, it was Casper uh, Kelly was very generous uh, creatively, and in, in that he kind of just let us you know, do whatever we wanted. And uh, I was like, I have this crazy idea that's sort of like, what if you did Philip K. Dick is like a mind-melting absurdist comedy <laughs> where you have no idea what's real. And it's also a slight sort of satire of the ending of uh, of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, even if they, people didn't get the jokes, they were like, yeah, okay, the Star Trek fans will get them. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was, it was a lot of fun just to kind of... Uh, uh, play let loose, you know, because Prodigy has humor in it, but it's never that level of kind of insanity, <laughs> I don't think. Right, so, right. And in a way, I was kind of I was kind of satirizing myself with you know, pushing the, uh, the Kobayashi Maru episode even beyond that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How silly can we make this? But that it was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm so glad that uh, everybody uh, signed on to do it, even if it was. You know, some folks like Ethan Phillips who came back to reprise Neelix for like two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fun came through the script and through the screen. That was a, a joy to watch. Well, thank you. Definitely, in our opinion, the best. <laughs> for sure. How about you, Paul? Do you have a last question that you want to ask Aaron? Uh, well, you know, just a couple of comments, man. I, ju- I just think, again, this is like one of the, the greatest breaths of fresh air, I think, that, that Star Trek has seen in, in a long time. And just originality and just uniqueness. It's just so, so fantastic. And, and brother, 
I don't know if it's in your job description or not, but when uh, the plug got pulled and there was uncertainty before uh, Netflix stepped in and then after Netflix took over the show, you have basically been the, the single presence face of keeping that show alive across pretty much every aspect of social media I can think of. I mean, it's just, you have just been ubiquitous, man, about like, keep this show somehow breathing, living, existing. It's back. We're doing more. Watch this show. I mean, I just think you should be tremendously commended, man, because your, your enthusiasm and your fire to keep this going. I think a lot of shows who are hoping they get a second chance, uh, could really look to you uh, for an inspiration because I think you you taught even the folks on the expanse a lesson in terms of like how, <laughs> how to keep your show going uh, when a lot of people said maybe they're done you're like hell they are so well done brother well thank you I mean it was it, it's not exactly in my job description but the truth is I I love this show I love the crew and the incredibly talented artists and writers and and uh, producers and everyone that I have worked alongside on this show. And quite frankly, I, I think it, it uh, deserves a shot to continue. And I am so very grateful that the fans rallied around the show in such a way that demonstrated to everybody that, uh, you know, Star Trek uh, deserves to exist in infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And our show was worth a second look it, that seems to be proving true. So, it, you know, it, obviously this past year, was un, there was a lot of uncertainty for a lot of reasons, even just beyond, you know, the, um, the streaming wars of it all. But uh, I think that the, the lesson of Star Trek is you can always kind of find hope across that new horizon, and you just sort of look, look not to your leaders necessarily, but to each other, and uh, together you'll find a way through it. And that, that was something that I definitely felt with the fandom, rallying around Prodigy, and uh, it's something that I will, uh, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And it's something that I am so deeply proud of the work that uh, everybody that we've done uh, on this show, and I, I'm glad that people are going to see it. So, no, you, uh, you, yeah, you've I done an amazing job. And more people are discovering Thank the show you. now than ever. So uh, just, you know, tremendous job and, and, and inspirational. And last thing for me, man, uh, Mythbuster time. Is it true you broke the Guinness Book of World Records for most T-shirts worn at once by a single human being? It is, in fact, true. I have it hanging on my wall. <laughs> man, I, I got to see a picture of that. That's that's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you, I think you can find it if you Google Aaron Walkie T-shirt. <laughs> it's we'll pretty do, silly, man. but it was... <laughs> well, you're one of the best guests ever. So thank you so much for coming on, man, and thanks for all the great work on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know... Obviously, again, everybody check out the show on Netflix and uh, be sure to track down the other folks that work on Prodigy uh, on various social medias, you know, me, Chad Quant, the Hageman brothers, the Benson sisters, Benny Bond. Um, you can find me on most social media platforms uh, with the handle of at GoodAaron, that's G-O-O-D-A-A-R-O-N. And uh, I always try to retweet or tweet or whatever you call it now, Zeet. Uh, any information that I have 
uh, regarding our show or just future projects that uh, I think you'll dig. So uh, check it out, and I, I hope to see you on Netflix. And uh, we have we have one more caller on the line that wants to oh, talk great. to you, Aaron. Let me see. I got to. Sometimes my, my computer here is a little bit wonky and it doesn't want to connect. There we go. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Um, hi, is it me that you're talking to? Yep, that would be you. Yeah. Oh, do you have great. a question for Aaron? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Hi, my name is Sue and I'm a huge fan of Prodigy. Um, been a Star Trek fan oh, since for a long time. Um, I'm also a fan, a uh, friend of Edwin's. Uh, Edwin told me about the oh. podcast tonight, so thank you, Edwin. Um, <laughs> um, I um, I absolutely love Prodigy. It really embraces the essence of Star Trek. Uh, it what we love about Star Trek: infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Prodigy embraces, enhances. Uh, epitomizes that that essence of Star Trek, um, and also is and one of the coolest things is as much as we all love the TOS and TNG characters, and we'll continue to love them. The challenges and trials that the characters go through is true Star Trek, and that's uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone on Prodigy who gives us this gift that Star, that Prodigy is. Well, on, on behalf of the whole crew and team, I will say thank you so much for those kind words. You know, it does mean a lot to, to us to, that it, that it uh, is sort of breaking through and people are recognizing what we're going for. So uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I have a couple quick questions, a um, couple words yeah, touched ahead. upon. Would love to love to see uh, the the music released on the CD because it is spectacular. And uh, like Edwin, I, I like physical I media. That. So a CD versus vinyl because I don't I don't have a record player. So a CD would be awesome. Um, also, really love to see Rock Talk. I <laughs> I she's my favorite character. I'd love to see her in a figure. So. Just, Believe um, you me, me too. I, I want I want both <laughs> of those things too. <laughs> Very much. And my last question is, and I'm sorry if this was already um, addressed. Um, would is there a possibility that we may see something beyond season two or season three, or is that uh, just kind of taking it as it comes? I mean. There is a possibility, you know. Uh, Netflix has the license, and if it does well on their platform, they could certainly order more. So, I, uh, you know, I, I, I can't speak for them because, uh, obviously, our show just debuted there, and they have 20 more episodes to come uh, for Season 2. But if people keep watching it and keep spreading the word and boosting it, uh, you know, and it's doing, keeps doing as well as it has, uh, anything is possible. Oh, Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for from all of us fans here. Um, you have our profound gratitude. Well, thank you so much. I, I that really means a lot. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Bye bye. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs> yeah. You too. Uh, Peace and long life. Uh-huh. Peace, Peace and long, and long life. life.
So, Aaron, speaking of action figures, is there any chance that maybe maybe Miko might step in and make larger versions of the Prodigy figures? Because they're lying? Because they're lying. I mean, do they have a Star Trek license? Oh, yeah. They're they're coming out with a Telosian and an Andorian in another couple of weeks. Oh, cool. Well, so the, yeah, I, thought, I, mean, I, I, I mean, it's cool. it's possible. Like I said, I I can't uh, I I can't really speak to the stuff until it's officially announced. But uh, but uh, other I will say other manufacturers have the Star Trek license, including Prodigy. So I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Well, I I we went a little bit over, um, but we had a lot to talk about and. We had Bonnie on, which was great. So thank you so much once again, Aaron, for being able to fit us into your schedule after we had to cancel. And thank you for hanging out with us and talking about Prodigy. We really, really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back when we can talk a little bit more about Season 2 at a later date. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. And, you know, I've, as you can tell, once you get me started talking about Star Trek, I can't really shut up about it. So <laughs> feel free. <laughs> We have another caller. You want to talk to somebody else? Sure. Let's let's, let's do one more. <laughs> All right. Talk to one more. All right. Hello. Hello this, this is, yeah, it, oh. it's Edwin again. This this isn't one more. This is just I heard you bring up Mego, and uh, uh, they do have a Star Trek license. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I do know the people who run Mego. <laughs> so. Um, you know, if you're interested in, like, Prodigy having Mego action figures, please, like, reach out and I can connect you with them and you guys can talk because uh, I would love Mego. They've done Strange New Worlds, they've done Discovery, TNG, and uh, original series, and they've got a long history with Star Trek. So I would love to see cool. a Mego version of your, your uh, characters. So, yeah, please just, you know, send us the details and I can connect you up with them. Well, definitely uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's more John Van Sitter's realm, but <laughs> I'll, have to, right. uh, I'll have to let him know. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll sign off now in case anyone else is trying to dial in. <laughs> Thanks again, Aaron. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Of course. Aaron's like, i got to get dinner, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, so um, All right. anyways... Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for hanging out with us and and uh, Trek talking about Prodigy. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much to Bonnie for taking time out of her schedule as the ships of the future to call us as well. And uh, we really appreciate it. Hey, it was absolutely my pleasure. And uh, I, I look forward to when we get to talk more. So, uh, yeah, everybody check out season one on Netflix now. If it's not in your region, it just means that it's somewhere else. So look around Sky Showtime, uh, CTV Canada. It's somewhere. So watch our show. Check it out. And thanks a lot. And have a very, very good night, Aaron. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Aaron. You too. All the best, man. Thank you. Right. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Please go to Netflix and check out Prodigy. You definitely will not be disappointed. The whole first season is there right now. Second season is going to be dropping sometime this year. Uh, it says 2024, which is now that we'll be seeing it not too far into the future. All right, guys. So uh, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, 
we let's see. You want to do some fan shout outs here, or do you want to jump to some birthdays? What do you guys want to do? Let's, let's do shout outs. Yeah. All right, let's do some shout outs. We haven't done shout outs in a while. So, uh, to get a future fan shout out, guys, it's very simple. Head over to our Facebook page, and you'll see a link pinned at the top. And all you got to do is tell us where you're listening from. And then look for a heart next to your name. There's Sweet Uncle Jim. And that means you're going to be featured in a future fan shout out. So, Eric, do you want to get us started with our fan shout outs? I absolutely do. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to top fan Oliver Menke. Oliver Menke is saying hello to us from Liebstadt, Germany. And top fan status means that Oliver interacts with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that because if you're not on there or if you haven't spent a lot of time on there, Jim literally peppers the joint with memes every single day, and you will not be disappointed to just join up and, and just enjoy the flow of information that sort of washes over you. And Oliver knows that. Uh, and thank you so much for supporting us from Germany right there in the center of Europe. Also, hello this week to John McManus, who is supporting us from Manchester, England sending us the little English flag there, the traditional English flag. Thank you, John, for supporting us just across the pond. Also, hello this week to Martine Ronge, who's saying hello to us from the Hoboken District. No, it's not that one, Jim. It's the one that's in Antwerp, Belgium. That's right. (laughs) Martine is from Belgium, not New Jersey. Thank you so much for listening to us there. And finally, on my list, we have top fan Attila Mondam, who's saying hello to us from Serbia. And that gets us a new check on our list of countries. That's right. Uh, I don't think I had marked Serbia before. So, Attila, thank you so much for saying hello to us. And top fan as well. Lots of support coming from Serbia. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? All right. Let's start off. A welcome to Brenda Theodex Valier. I'm close to that one, from Louisiana, as she gives us a Vulcan salute. Welcome to Lakota Spoolman from right here in Las Vegas. I don't know Lakota, but I think I do. I think no ties. You know, somebody in Vegas. Welcome to Chago Chagon. From Racine, Wisconsin. Interesting pronunciation there. And finally on my list is Oxfam. John Feinfrock. Indiana. Welcome, John. David, who's on your list? Yeah, yeah. So I got quite a bit of top fans here. The first top fan I'd like to welcome is top fan Danny Tut from Louisiana, USA. Uh, next on my list is another top fan, Lakita Adams from Central North Carolina from the USA. I think I got all USAs here. So the next one is another top fan is H.D. Johnson, author, who is from Michigan, USA. And last on my list is Nikki Prickett from Iowa. Wow. Okay, Paul, who's on your list? (laughs) (laughs) Dave is on fire tonight, man. Get that guy a donut quick. Well, I'd like to say hello to one of our top fans um, uh, over in Europe, uh, flashing us a uh, 
troika of Vulcan uh, hand salutes here. Uh, I don't know if this is a nom de guerre or the real name, but uh, hello to Luciano Vulcan and the beautiful nation of Italy, Italia, my friend, Paisan. It's great to hear from you, Luciano. So uh, thanks for being a fan and reminding us once again. Star Trek is an international phenomenon. Uh, a little bit uh, across a large body of water, we're going to go over and say hello to Faye Balanon, who's uh, given us a similar greeting from Manila in the Philippines there. Uh, thank you so much, Faye, for being a fan and uh, expressing your Vulcan loyalty to us and good wishes. Uh, flag flying proudly in the gorgeous, gorgeous realm of Switzerland. It's Jacqueline Hani is saying hello to us. Thanks for being a fan, Jacqueline, and for always supporting all things Star Trek. And then we're going to move, but we're just flying across all manners of bodies of water here today. But we're going to head back over. Uh, we're going to go all the way over to South Africa now, to the Hibiscus Coast, uh, to KwaZulu-Natal, where our good friend Annalise Boss is saying hello. Uh, the Hibiscus Coast is a stunning place. Never been, but I've heard amazing, amazing things about it there, um, over there on the far, far eastern side of uh, the province. But really, really great to hear from you and know that you're out there. Uh, and thanks for being a fan of the show and for Star Trek. Annalise, I'll pass it over to Alcruzia. Why, thank you so much, Paul. I have a plethora of top fans. In fact, I have all top fans this week, which is great. Uh, we'd like to say thank you and kapla to Shauna Blinn, who's listening to us in Spokane, Washington. Another top fan, we'd like to say kapla to Andy Carson. Any relation, Paul? Not huh. that I'm aware of, brother, but, you know, um, it's always possible. I'm not an Ohio guy, so, so but, you know, okay. some people in my no. family tree get out of control, so you never know what's going to happen. You never can tell. And Andy is flashing us the Vulcan Live Long and Prosper. So thank you so much, Andy. Another top fan, Dillard West, who's listening to us in Andy's home turf of Tennessee. And last, <laughs> but definitely not least, another top fan, Jordan Bain, who is not, that's right, not listening to us in the U.S. of A., but is listening to us in Northeast Scotland flashing us to live long and prosper, and the flag waving proudly. And that, my friends, are our fan shout-outs for this week. You can be mentioned in a future fan shout-out by heading over to our Facebook page and just dropping us a little line. Uh, the more emojis and stuff that you leave, the better off it will be to catch my eye and be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. So thank you so much to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we've got a few minutes left, so you guys, how about we just have a little? How about we just have a little open mic time? What do you say? Yeah, we can do that. We can jump to news. There's some good news stories too that we haven't touched on in a little while. But open mic time yeah. is always. Yeah, we've been well, out, out a few weeks. So let me see. I think I think that Eric has a good story. Oh, I okay. bet I do. Uh, oh, yes, I absolutely do. Uh, it, not officially maybe part of our favorite segment, but I'm going to – actually, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call this part of our favorite segment. William Shatner says, what? That's right. <laughs> William Shatner's amazing rejected Star Trek comeback storyline explained 
by Enterprise showrunner. William Shatner's rejected Star Trek Enterprise comeback was an amazing mirror universe storyline, which was explained by Enterprise's late showrunner, Manny Cotto. An idea was hatched by Shatner and writers Judith and Garfield Reeves-Stevens to bring a different and nefarious version of Kirk from Star Trek The Original Series to battle Captain Jonathan Archer. In oral history, quote, The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek by Peter Holmstrom, Manny Cotto detailed the proposed storyline for William Shatner's guest appearance in Star Trek Enterprises Season 4. Cotto and Star Trek producer Rick Berman met with Shatner and heard his comeback scenario, which Cotto loved. The idea was it was a Mirror Universe-themed episode. In the original Mirror Mirror, the evil Kirk had a device that was called the Tantalus Field, which he would press a button and his enemies would vanish. Now, it was implied in there that in that episode, they just kind of died. But what the Reeves-Stevens were saying was, what if this field did was transport everyone who was opposed to him into this pocket universe? So they were all on this planet surviving. At the end of that episode, it's implied that the good Kirk had convinced the evil Spock to take command from evil Kirk, and Kirk told him about the Tantalus field. So you would have surmised that at the end, the evil Kirk would have sent Kirk, or the evil Spock, excuse me, would have sent Kirk to the Tantalus field and taken command of the Enterprise. So now you have this pocket universe with this evil type we are calling Tiberius Kirk kind of stranded with other people who evil Spock has banished. But they forged this kind of community in basically a prison. The idea was if Archer and the Enterprise stumbled into this pocket universe and evil Tiberius Kirk was now an older man, but still formidable, and wanted to take control of the Enterprise and escape, it was a prison escape. So it would have been evil Kirk, William Shatner, Tiberius, trying to take over the Enterprise, that's the NX-01, with other minions who had been trapped there. Paramount rejected William Shatner's proposed Star Trek Enterprise comeback. According to Manny Cotto in the center seat, the studio didn't want to pay Shatner what he was asking for, which Star Trek producer Rick Berman agreed was more than the series could afford. However, Cotto believed that, quote, Paramount wanted Enterprise to die and that the studio didn't hire Shatner, quote, not because he was too expensive, but because they might have saved the series. That's my conspiratorial thinking. Wow. Whoa, dude. So are you oh, telling yeah. me, Eric, that basically he's saying that the, like, the Tantalus field, right, yeah. is they don't didn't just die. It's like the equivalent of like the Phantom Zone in yeah. Superman, right? Yeah, that they're yeah. basically in some kind of like hidden purgatory. Just Other waiting universe. To, okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. With uh, with Kirk as General Zod, kind of a thing. I like it. <laughs> Tiberius. That I kind of yeah. like that idea. Cool. Yeah. I mean, so it's a good cool. pitch, and, right? And it's not a bad pitch. Steven, I think it's pretty good. That was a brilliant pitch. Yeah, and, and weaving original series with, with Enterprise and bringing back the Shat and the the Gar and, and and Judy. They wrote some of the best episodes, I think, of season four of Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally. And, and, not to mention, you know, Shatner's books, The Ashes of Eden and stuff like that. I, I think that was a huge missed opportunity, and I agree with Manny Cotto. I think the Paramount and, and UPN were looking to kill Enterprise at that time. Anyone who remembers watching Enterprise on UPN remembers 
you know, UPN was already a black hole, hard to find on TV, not really publicized. And Enterprise, they were pushing aside, making room for wrestling, and they were changing the programming <laughs> tone on UPN. And it was it was pretty wrestling. clear that they were trying to kick Star Trek to the curb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah didn't I mean, put it on? Wasn't it 10 o'clock on Friday night? It was, yeah, it was not, definitely in, like, the graveyard of the graveyard zone. Yeah, it was, yeah on, it, was, it was on super late, and they didn't promote it very well either, which was kind of, always kind of a uh, They just assumed Star Trek fans would find it, which yeah. I always never understand. You, everybody advertises, yeah. and everyone knows what Star Wars is, and still Disney spends a fortune advertising for, for Star yeah. Wars. Yep. So I never but understood I, why Paramount – they did the same thing to Nemesis, I think. Nemesis is – not the greatest Star Trek movie, I'll say, but I think it also was just not advertised well for. And and that the people in, in that that era of of Paramount, the, the powers that be were just they didn't seem to like or want Star Trek around anymore. Anybody who has read uh, William Shatner's book The Return will understand that this is a way better idea. <laughs> <laughs> and you know maybe they could have convinced the UPN suits if they had put Shatner in like a wrestling some wrestling type then, then you know appeal to that WWE crowd there you well, go well you know it's just a, it's funny you smell like what the, the last, Shatner's you know, cooking the last 10 years we've had a lot of you know I mean not not all bad but there's been a lot of movies and uh, and series things where uh, you know we haven't had the best villains really I mean, they've kind of been blessed and compelling, or they seem really recycled and kind of, you know. I mean, I love Idris Elba, but oh my God, what they did with him in that one J.J. Prize movie was just, you know, what a what a waste. And this is a good villain concept, right? I mean, it really is. So I gotta I gotta hand it to him. I mean, uh, it would have been fun like, to see Shatner chewing the scenery for sure. Yep. Oh, major, but it's just, you know, he better be in shape, man, because you can't have, like, evil Tiberius Kirk show up like, you know, how you doing? I just I just winched myself out of the Barca lounger and ready to kick out. Dude, he would have had to get a, the trainer of trainers to pull that off. I mean, you know, especially with that gold vest thing that he used to wear. Come on, man. That's crazy. But interesting story, dude. Thanks for sharing. Or like I said, resting tight. <laughs> that, that would have been good for Star Trek Five, I think. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Oh, here we go. There we go. Open the Doritos. <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, welcome to 2024, guys. Happy New Year. I think yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, good to be back. How do you say Happy New Year in Klingon? It's Ah. (laughs) I got to wipe my nose off. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, (laughs) didn't think Jim just actually sneezed, and we're going to just accept it. (laughs) He sneezed with conviction, right? So he either had a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know. Anyways, we, we, we got through our technical difficulties. We were able to bring Aaron back on the show. We were able to have a great show. Uh, thank you to Bonnie for calling in and, for, and Edwin and Sue. It was great. And, of course, thank you to Andy 
for hanging out with us as well. It's always great My to have Andy on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know. And come on, I mean, and, Aaron's uh, like the best guest ever, man. He's just so fantastic. I mean, what a get, you know. And and to to put up with our technical difficulties, where and you know, and and come back and give us another chance to be have cool lunch. about it. Yeah, he's totally cool. cool. And, and like he like, said, you know, happy to talk forever about Star Trek. Like the perfect guest. And he's just willing to, to <laughs> geek out with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just great. And he just, you know, and, and the callers, it really, it got the callers fired up too. So, I mean, what a, what, you feel like that is, there's a show that's in great hands because he's just all over the place promoting it, man, and just trying to get people interested in it and share his enthusiasm. It's just like, this is a guy who should be, you know, give this guy a feature. Right? I mean, it's just like the next time they're like, oh, we can't figure out what to do for the next Star Trek film. I mean, give it to Aaron for crying out loud. Like, whatever he's going to come up with is going to be dynamite. So uh, I, I hope the guy actively involved in, in, in Trek for a long time. He's a he's just a great dude. Yeah. And, and we did get some uh, kind of inside info on Prodigy. If you paid attention, you would have heard. There was a little... There were a couple little things in there that if you go back and listen to the podcast, you may be intrigued. Yeah, and I liked how he uh, – it's the same thing with, like, the action figure thing, right? He kind of did that whole, like, yeah. the, the guy – like, the dad in The Incredibles when he's in the insurance agency, right? He's like, I would never <laughs> tell you that another company has got rights to make Prodigy <laughs> figures. I would never yeah, say anything really like not. that. Now, I know nothing about other me. companies who may or may not have the right star merchandise. Can even confirm nor deny. Keep your hope alive. I'm like, thanks, dude. So yeah, it's just he's just so fun, you know. What a good guy. Something to look forward to. And uh, Jim, what's listening... on the docket next week, man? What's next week's show? Remind me. Next week we are going to be talking about Major Barrett Roddenberry. Excellent. I was hoping that was the one. That's going to be a great show. Yep. We're going to be talking about all the characters she's played, starting with number one in the cage and going right straight through. And we're going to talk about Major, just like we did with our Captain Pike show. It will be a lot That's of fun. That's going to be great, man. This is going to be good. So, be so uh, cool. there's no script. There's no schedule. It's just a go for it. So if, Andy, if you want to join us for that and you're available, please feel free to join us to talk about Major Barrett. Come yeah, on. yeah. I'll check the schedule if I'm available. I love talking Trek with you guys. I think yep, Jim, we, uh, we, we love having you on here, brother. And Jim, let's call it Majel Mania. Majel Mania. Majel Mania is on. It's on. It's on the table. Uh, just make sure, guys, <laughs> a copy of Patrick Stewart's memoir, um, Making It So, head over to TrekTalking.com, click on the blue talkback mic, and tell us why you deserve it and uh, make it creative, and the best message will win. I'll tell you this. We're going to talk about it on Book Nook, which I think is scheduled for the 25th. This is the first time that I didn't read the book. I'm listening to the audio uh, on Eric's recommendation because, Eric, who reads the book? Well, uh, you, we are privileged to listen to Sir Patrick himself actually narrate stories from his life, all the way from boyhood, all the way up through his uh, TNG days and beyond, all the stuff that he did after TNG. So to me, this is the perfect way to experience this book, because not only do you get the stories, but you get them in the man's voice. Yeah. Yes, and I, I usually... Uh, don't listen to them, but this one I did, and I'm glad that I did. 
and we're going to be talking about that on the 25th. So a lot, lot going on. So before we get cut off and run out of time, I want to say thank you to Sue for calling. And, of course, thank you so much to Bot. And, of course, we couldn't be doing the show without Aaron. So thank you so much to Aaron. And thank you, Andy, for hanging out and joining us and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Andy. My pleasure. And thank you so much, David, for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, this has been fun. I'm glad to be back. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, a lot of fun. Getting ready for the, the Picard, episode, Picard episode. I'm re-listening the book for the second time. Still oh, so you'll be ready. Book. And yeah. thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. It was a blast, guys. What a what a fun, fun show. And if we had to take three weeks off, this was the way to come back. Yeah, this yeah. was worth the wait. Like Dunkin' Donuts, it's worth the wait. <laughs> Donuts. <laughs> and thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Nice. Thank you, Paul. It's been a treat, man. Really great to be back and uh, amongst the herd here, fellas. So thanks for making it so much fun, and thanks to all our callers who called in tonight. And uh, big thanks to Aaron Walkie for being such a stand-up dude. Great show. Yeah, and thank you to Edwin as well, and hopefully we'll be able to get somebody from Ego on, and we can ask them about Prodigy figures. I'm, I'm trying Woo-hoo. to make that happen as well. So that'll be a little surprise for Paul. I'm your most excellent host, <laughs> Uncle Jim. And I want to let you know that Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, all. Good night. Good night, night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. <laughs>